0: Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby say Save the Cowboy. I want you to toe that stirrup, throw a leg over the cannel, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. There was a, I used to work on a big ranch in Texas called the Rocker B Ranch, and, and there's a, there's a, a pasture in this, uh, on this ranch, called Head of the River, and it's basically head of the Concho River. And I mean, it, it, there's two things in this pasture. Well, I, I, there's three things. There's a little stream that is actually the start of the Concho River, and there, there's a little stream. It's not really a river yet because it's the head of the Concho River. There's a little stream, and on each side of this stream are two very, very great big landmarks. The one is a mesa that's just been car- carved out. It's kind of like a kind of a moon-shaped, and it's just got a flat top on it. There's the mesa on one side of the river, or the creek, or the crick if you're from Montana. I learned that Barrow Pit is the bar ditch, by the way, for y'all that that didn't know what Ty was talking about, I had to ask him, and then we got into a fight, and um, because that's what we do. And so there, there's the there's the mesa, there's the river, and then there is like four sections of nothing but about 15 foot tall mesquite. I mean, you you can't see from here to the front row or here to the camera. I mean, it is just solid solid mesquite. You come out of there, you better not be wearing a nice shirt because you're going to be ripped up from all the thorns. And, and so the cattle are just wild as hair in there. And I'll never forget because I'd been in the pasture before, but this was my very first time to gather ahead of the river. And I knew how brushy it was. And, and so we got there that morning and, and there's just something awesome. I hope that everybody gets to experience this at some point in their lives. You can come experience it at the Long X One of these days there's just something cool when all the cowboys go to pulling up and everybody gets out and they're getting the horses out and they're kind of getting cinched up and everybody's shaking their hands we 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 know each other but every single every single morning everybody walks around shakes everybody's hand good morning good morning good morning good morning and Well, this day was a special day because the ranch manager was riding with us. Now, the ranch manager, he was probably about 70, 72 years old, great cowboy, big old guy. Well, he was riding with us that day. But whenever he unloaded his horse, we all just went, oh, my gosh, because he was riding a colt. Now, I I know that there's plenty of cowboys that are over 70 years old that that are still riding colts and, and do a good job. But this is gonna be a big, one of the hardest gatherings we have. And everybody's just sitting there like, oh my gosh. And the thing that they're thinking is they don't want to be next to the ranch manager. Okay, you're gonna get chewed out. You're not gonna do anything right. If anything bad happens, it's gonna be your fault. That's just the way it goes. That's That's the privilege of being a ranch manager you no longer get to make mistakes or have to make mistakes, and you can blame somebody else. And so anyway, the the uh, wagon boss, Jesse, he kind of lines everybody out, even though the ranch manager is there. He says, he Jesse says, Ronnie, why don't you go up on the hill and, and keep everybody in line? So he said, why don't you go ahead and go? Cause it's gonna take you a while to get up there. So man, Ronnie takes off at a, at a high lope and he's has to go around and, and basically on his horse, climb this big old mesa. And he's he's sitting there looking around, and everybody's like holding their breath. And Jesse says, "Rusty, that's the that's the ranch manager's name." He's like, "Rusty, why don't you go ahead and take the the inside next to the next to the cliff there, and uh and really work that water real well, because there's going to be a lot of cattle there. There wasn't going to be a single cow there, but you know you got to make the ranch manager feel like he's doing something. And so he gets on this colt that's already starting to crow hop with him. Well, <laughs> now is the spot where the Who's going to flank Rusty? Who's going to be the next one? And I was like, our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Please do not let me next to Rusty (laughs) and where I will take all the blame. And um, so anyway, I'm sitting there and you can cut the tension with a knife. And Jesse goes, Kevin, why don't you go ahead and flank Rusty? Great, great. Thank you. Thank you. And so he lines everybody else out and I think, uh uh hell, I don't remember who dad was like dad was there and he was like way way close to the outside and Jesse usually took the outside and so anyway here goes rusty and then here goes me and I think Lance is right next to me or something and, and, and we get going well I knew my day hadn't started out very well because I have to flank the ranch manager but anyway I'm riding along and all of a sudden you know how your horse's ears kind of go and they start looking through the brush and I'm like Maybe it's cattle or something. So I keep going and I keep going. And I came to a little clearing. When I say little clearing, it's about 10 square feet. And I ride into the clearing. And if any of you know anything about horses, horses have a natural aversion to pigs. Let me tell you, how to uh, multiply that out in exponential form. They are especially, have a special aversion to pigs that are mating and you interrupt it and they get hung up and go to squealing. Your horse will start bucking, I promise you. Cause we stepped out and they were under a tree and then they tried to go opposite directions and one of them started squealing. The only one that really went anywhere was me and my horse. So we had a runaway because I'm kind of on a young horse too. And so we we run off and I get him reined in and these pigs are squealing and my horse don't even want to go anywhere near that now. So I got to go way around them and get around and I finally get back to where I'm going. And I'm I'm watching Ronnie up on the hill because Ronnie kind of keeps us all in line. And if Ronnie's moving, you need to be moving because Ronnie's watching the outside and he's making sure that everybody stays in line. So I'm trying to watch Ronnie and I can already tell that I'm behind. So I'm loping up, I'm loping up. I finally get to where I think I should be. And all of a sudden I hear, God, rah, rah, and just nine, nine miles of cussing. And it's rusty. And I'm like, oh. So here I go, I turn right and I can, you know, follow the follow the cursing noise. And I get over there and he's right at the start of where the water starts. And there is literally a strip of water about this wide, and his colt is saying, "Uh, uh-uh, I ain't having it. And Rusty's legs are coming out 90 degrees, and he's whooping on that horse like, come on, you sorry, and I mean? He's calling it every name in the book, and that old horse just kind of hunches up like that. And so I get over there, and, you know, if you've ever been around something like this situation, you ride up, and you're going to get chewed out for not helping, or I can do it myself, you sorry. So you're just in a lose-lose situation. So I ride over there and I ignore all of the, you ain't no good cowboy, blah, blah, blah. And I ride across, my horse like literally just steps across it and his colt is like, "Uh uh-uh. By the time it's all said and done, I have to get off of my horse, walk up to the ranch manager's horse, grab it by the reins and lead it across the water. And I get a kind of a, well, appreciate you. And he lopes off before I can even get on or anything. So I... So I get on and, and I get going. And so so we're going along and I'm thinking, okay, nothing else can go wrong. Nothing else can go wrong. And about that time, I hear crash, 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 crash. Sounds like a T-Rex is coming through the mesquite. And my horse is once again like, uh-uh, th- this is getting to be crap. I'm, I'm getting out of here. And so he's looking up. And about that time, on each side of me, two 1,300-pound tiger-striped cows run right past me going the wrong direction crud so i turned around and i'm trying to go as fast as i can through this brush and i kind of get them turned and then one of them starts acting like she's going to go the wrong direction so i jerk my rope down because i'm boy i'm mad by now and i'm building to her and that, this is through solid mesquite so when i say building to her it's just more like running through an obstacle course and i've got my rope out like this and all of a sudden it catches on a mesquite branch now that mesquite branch isn't but about that long and about as big around as my little finger, which isn't. Well, I mean, that's about that big around, but you know what I mean, I'm a big old fella. And so it gets jerked out of my hand while I'm still loping. And I look back and I see it's just hanging real nice on that little mesquite limb. And so I'm gonna do this little, whoosh, throw a little hooey in it and pull it and pull it up as I'm riding cause I'm a cowboy. And whenever I went like that, it sucked down tight onto that mesquite limb. And I run 28 feet of rope through my hand before I could scream, pee and let go. That rope is still out there. I didn't even go back for it. I was looking at my hand, and it looked like I was holding a thin piece of steak finger in my hand. I mean, it raised up about a half an inch whelp in my hand. Last week, we started a series called Be Awesome. And I'm not talking about that we need to be awesome so that people can say, look at me, I'm awesome. That's not what I'm talking about. Being awesome is about letting God's light shine through us. See, your beliefs don't make you awesome. Or let me say that in a different way. Your beliefs don't allow God's light to shine through you. Your beliefs don't reflect God's light. Because, I mean, you may say, well, I believe in God and I believe this and I believe that. The Bible says that even the demons believe in God and they shudder with fear. So your beliefs do not reflect the light of god it does not al- your beliefs do not necessarily allow god to shine through you what does your behavior your beliefs don't make you awesome your behavior does or your beliefs don't reflect the light of god your behavior does and in matthew chapter 5 in 14 through 16 this is jesus talking this is red letter stuff and and this pro this one passage probably has a bigger impact on me you know it, it's not really one of those those verses that you're just like yes that's awesome verse you, you can just sometimes people read this verse and they just kind of go on past it but Matthew 5 14 through 16 says this now this is Jesus talking he says you are the light of the world he's not talking to me he's talking to you he says you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your... Now, it doesn't say right here that they may see your beliefs and glorify your Father in heaven. That is not what it says. It says this. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See, that good deeds, What it, what? it uh, another way of saying that is Jesus saying, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your behavior and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, now let me ask you a question. Here's a million dollar question. You ever met one of those Christians that are just unhappy, negative, and just correcting and arguing with people all the time. How many people do you think have come to know Christ through that? Man, I'd like to be negative and miserable. Sign me up for this Jesus thing. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Most of the people that come to Christ through those people, they've been scared so much that they don't actually believe in Jesus. They're just getting Jesus for fire insurance because they think that that's what you're supposed to do. But the truth of what we are supposed to do, people ask me all the time, they say, I don't know what God wants me to do. Let me tell you what God wants you to do. He wants you to be awesome. He wants you to reflect His light because He says, I am the light of the world. We don't shine our own light, we reflect His. And we don't do it just through our beliefs, we do it through our behavior. I mean, people, I I tell people all the time, don't tell me how tough you are, I want to see you whenever you get bucked off. People say, oh, I get back on, (laughs) really? Let me see you get yard darted out there and see how quickly you jump up and go, oh gosh darn, let me get back on this horse. Uh-uh. <laughs> now, mostly it, 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 usually it's blankety blank, 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 blank. I'm going to get back on that blankety blank sign of a gun and blank. You know, that may be closer to the truth, but it ain't easy getting back on. You know, and quite frankly, don't tell me what you believe. Show me. Don't tell me what you believe, because if your beliefs do not produce, your behavior, it doesn't mean anything. But the reason I told you that story was not about necessarily me riding through the brush or flanking the ranch manager. What it had to do with was that every single one of us are called to be that cowboy up on the hill. See, his job was to go where the wagon boss told him to go. He didn't choose that spot on his own. There was seven or eight cowboys standing there and the wagon boss said, Ronnie, why don't you go up there and get on that hill? And he struck off at a high lope and he went up there, not because He wanted to be seen, but because the boss sent him up there. The other thing that Ronnie had to do when he's up there, kind of like I am up here, nearly everybody can see me dancing around and walking around. And I do that so that people don't have to look behind other people's head. But the point is, is that Ronnie was up here and his only job was to watch the outside guy. And as that outside guy moved through the pasture, then Ronnie moved along the edge, and then all of the rest of the cowboys We're watching the one that they could see, and they stayed in line with him. And in turn, we all lined up when we couldn't see each other. That was his job. And the third thing, Ronnie's job wasn't to run around and get every cow that was going the wrong direction. His job was to be a guide for everyone else. Remember that verse that we just got through reading? You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let Your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Man, you've been called by the wagon boss. You know, God is the is a ranch owner and ranch manager. Jesus is his wagon boss, and you have been called by the wagon boss. He took the outside. He went the furthest, he went the farthest, and he knows what he's doing because he's the most experienced, but he has put us so-called believers, those that say, I have a belief. He says, Prove it by your behavior. You go get on that mountain and you be a guide. So that you watch me, so that others may know what I'm doing through you. That's your job. You want to light, be the light of the world, be the you know, you reflecting Jesus's light into the world. That's what we're called to do. We're supposed to be awesome. I want people to come up to you and go, I have to have what you have. You know, Kathy was doing it this morning. She gave a testimony about a cancer scare that some of you may be going through, or you will go in the future. Go talk to her. I think that God allows bad. He doesn't. He didn't cause her cancer, but he sure used it to solidify her faith, and he's going to use her to... I know she's already helped other people, and he wants to do the same thing with each of us. You know, I said that Jesus is the one that assigns us our task. We can't just say, well, I'm going to ride up on the mountain, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. That's not what we're supposed to do. When Jesus calls your name and He says, listen, I need you to ride up on that mountain and be a guide. That may be for for a stage of a ministry. It may be just going and helping somebody, visiting somebody that's sick. I don't know what God is going to call you to do, but what I'm saying is you don't really have to worry about that because Jesus is going to put you in that position whenever your growth, when your preparation, when you have reached that spot that you can be trusted, that you have been putting your practice into faith because it was my first time in that pasture. He's not gonna send me up there the first time. He wants me to go through some of the brush so that I'll know what it's like to be down there before I go up there. Jesus puts us in a position to shine and we don't have to worry about how to get there or what to do. You know what, God has done more for me In things that I didn't even realize what he was doing. I can look back and go, man, I just stopped at the grocery store that day, and and this wow kind of moment happened. Don't worry. Don't fret about following God. When he calls your name, he's going to put you in that position to shine. Your job is to be available and be ready. The second thing that I talked about is our job is to keep our eyes on the outside guy. That's Jesus. You know, in in sailing, I've never been sailing. I I, I read a book called Love Does by Bob Goff, and, and it's a great book. I I encourage everybody to read it. and Well, don't read it because you'll get all my sermon material. No, not really. But he, he talks about this sailing deal that he went on, and he talks about a deal that I had never heard about, and y'all that might have been in the Navy, y'all will be like, oh, you got it all wrong, but here's kind of what it is, dead reckoning. Dead reckoning is whenever you look at a map, and, and on this map, you can see two fixed points that are on the map. Or oh, maybe it's a mountain, maybe it's a whatever, a city, whatever the case may be. So what you do is you're standing here and you take a compass reading of one point And then you take a compass reading of another point and then you go back and you draw those compass headings on the map and where they intersect is where you are. Now, it's not exact. It's not going to be 31.82 degrees, latitude, longitude, whatever, whatever, whatever. But it's going to give you a pretty good idea of where you are. Our job is to keep our eyes on Jesus. We are, as Christians, we are supposed to use dead reckoning. And our points on the map is what Jesus said. Now, if you read the Bible, if you listen to sermons, if you do some praying, if you do all of these things, there's two things you need to look for. What does the Bible, how does the Bible tell you how to live? What does the Bible say that you need to do? That's one compass heading. You need to look at the Bible, talk to some Christian friends, make sure that they know what they're talking about, do some praying, whatever the case, and and you need to line up with what Jesus said that He was supposed... that what we are supposed to do. What are some of these things? How about this? We're supposed to love. And that's what He said. You are supposed to love. That's one of those, those compass bearings is we need to be acting in love. Now... Something that you'll hear me time and time and time again because... I'm not really a preacher. I'm a CRO. That means Chief Repeating Officer. And you'll hear me say this over and over and over. If your love that you show cannot be taken for granted or cannot be taken advantage of, you are not loved. Okay? People say, well, I would do this for somebody, but I know they're going to take advantage of me. So? That's not your job to to be the judge of whether or not somebody takes advantage of you or not. Your job is to do the right thing. Your job is supposed to love people. Are they going to be perfect? No, because you're not perfect. But you are following the one that is. And he said to love. How about this one? How about forgive? That's what Jesus told us to do. He said forgive. And you know what? Forgiveness has nothing to do with the person that did something wrong. Forgiveness does not abstain people from responsibility. You forgiving somebody for something that that you're hurt about or whatever, forgiving does not mean you walk up to them and say, you know what? What you did, I'm absolutely fine with that now. Thank you. (laughs) That has, forgiveness has nothing to do with abs, absolving somebody from responsibility. And forgiveness doesn't mean that you have to restore the relationship. I mean, if somebody was to to mess with one of your kids or something, you're not going to say, well, I forgive you. I'm going to let my kid go stay at your house again. No, you idiot. That's stupid. But what forgiveness does is it sets us free to follow God, to allow that light to shine back through it because unforgiveness, man, that's just like trying to get a, a piece of dirt to reflect something. It just clogs us up where the light of God cannot shine through us. I didn't say that the light of God was not in us. It just doesn't reflect it anymore. That mirror gets dirty. How about this be a neighbor and and we're going to talk about this later on in the series but you know there's this deal of jesus said love your neighbor and and this this religious guy was like well who's my neighbor so jesus tells the story of the good samaritan and and please go read it it's a great i don't care if you believe in the bible or not it's a great illustration of how 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 people should treat each other but when he you know this guy gets beat up and this samaritan now the preacher and and the religious person they walked past him but the but the Samaritan who if you were a Samaritan in Jesus's time you were like a dog the dog stops and helps this guy and takes care of him and then at the end of the story Jesus asks a, a quick question they're asking him who is my neighbor? But he turns it around and he says, which of those three guys, the Samaritan, the preacher, or the religious fella— which one of those was the neighbor? And he said, the one that had mercy on him and helped. See, your job isn't to figure out who is your neighbor. Your job is to be a neighbor. We're looking at things that Jesus told us to do. He told us to love, forgive, to be a neighbor, to repent. And repent just means to go back to and take your eyes off of of that crap that you've been looking at that you've been dealing with that, that all of this stuff man, just say, I'm not gonna pay attention to these sins anymore. I'm gonna turn my eyes on Jesus and I'm only gonna watch him. That's what repent means. It's to allow Jesus to come back into your life. Because he's not gonna force his way in. How about be baptized? I mean that's what Jesus said. He said be baptized. What did Jesus say? We're talking about dead reckoning where, where we where we take a compass reading so that we know where we're at. We take a compass reading on what what did Jesus tell us to do? What did God's word tell us to do? And the The other thing that we need to take the reading on so that we can get an accurate description of where we're at is what did jesus tell us to stay away from jesus said don't fear don't be afraid don't be scared so if you start feeling scared or something that that's an indication that hey man i'm 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 not when did peter Peter. My wife makes fun of me the way I say that. Um, what happened when Peter took his eyes off Jesus whenever he was walking on water? Talk, Kathy was talking about getting out of the boat. Immediately, he started to sink. Are some of y'all sinking? He said, do not be afraid. Jesus also said, don't be religious in words only. He got onto the Pharisees all the time. The Pharisees were, were kind of the preachers and the religious people of the day. Man, they talked a big game, but their behavior didn't do nothing about... their beliefs and their behavior didn't match up. Jesus said, don't be scared. and He said, don't be religious in words only. Jesus also said, don't 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 think too highly of yourself. Jesus said, don't depend on yourself, depend on me. Don't depend, don't judge your salvation based upon what you can do. Your salvation can only come through what I can and what I'm going to do and what I did. What did Jesus say not to do? He said, don't love money. I mean, these are just some real quick, Ideals, so, some some dead reckoning compass bearings that we look over here and say, what did God tell us to do? What did Jesus tell us to do? What did God tell us not to do? And you can kind of figure out where you're at. See, Jesus is the one that puts us up on that mountain, and that's what He's called each of us to be—is that cowboy up there on that hill? The light that that is on a hill that will attract unbelievers to us. Not because we're miserable or not because we're religious or not because we go to 14 Bible studies or not because we, we do all this. Because we know that God loves us and our behavior matches what we believe inside. The last thing I said was, We're supposed to be a guide, not a rescue. See, more people, I believe more people have been saved from Christ than to Christ because Ronnie's job up there, when those cattle went the wrong way, he didn't lope down and try to help me. That was my job. That was one of the things that I was supposed to do. We have got to let people start doing what they're supposed to be doing. But unfortunately, the reason I say that more people have been saved from Christ than to Christ is because there's this Christian... uh, Philosophy out there that anytime somebody's in trouble, we've got to go in and save them from being hurt. Well, I'm telling you this that most people will not come to Christ, truly come to know Him, till they bounce off a of rock bottom. And the bad part is, most people's rock bottom is about 90 feet below where you think. It's. Give them into God's hand. We can be there to lift them up, but I think that too often, we as Christians, we want to ride down off the hill and do their job for them. Well, we do that over and over, and then we think to ourselves, how come they're not getting any better? Well, I wonder. I wonder. See, God has told us to be a guide, not a rescuer. How do you Honestly, do you really feel like you're that person up there on the mountain reflecting God's light? You're, you're shining that light for other people to see so that people can know your peace. Do you have peace? Do you have joy? Have purpose in your life? Or do you feel like maybe one of the cowboys down below? It's not a criticism, but do you feel lost in the mesquite? Are you so busy trying to rescue everyone else that you don't even know where you are yourself? Do you have a spiritual rope burn? Does everything you touch seem to cause you pain? Do you feel like you're just constantly loping through the brush and losing things and getting hurt and running up on on things that get you bucked off and and just no matter what you do, you're going to get chewed out, cussed out? Maybe you're down here. Well, maybe it's time you look up there and get in line with what God wants from you. In order to be awesome, you have to reflect the light of God. In order to do this, you have to be in a position to see Jesus. But remember, your beliefs don't reflect the light of God. Your behavior does. I don't care. I mean, honestly, don't get me wrong. I care what you believe, but that's just talk. Your beliefs are just talk. If your beliefs don't transform your behavior then you really don't believe it. It's just words. Your beliefs don't reflect the light of God. Your behavior does. Get close to Jesus so he can put you on top of the mountain. Keep your eye on the outside cowboy and do the things he said to do and stay away from the things he didn't. You start praying. Bible, keep your eyes on the outside guy. How do you keep your eyes on Jesus? Read the word. Do some praying. Hang out with other cowboys and cowgirls. Come hang out with us. Come ride with us at the ranch. Come to Save the Cowboy 101. Hang around afterwards. Talk to us. Come out to the adoption fundraiser. I don't care if you give any money or not. Come hang out and be a guide, not a rescuer. This is one of my favorite quotes of all time, right? Listen, lighthouses don't run around the island seeking someone to save. They just stand on the shore and shine. That's what God called us to A light on a hill. A city on a hill doesn't move all around the valley. It just stands there and shine and people in the dark can see that. Let's go to God in prayer. God, you and you alone can save us. God, help us to see your love and so that your light can be reflected in us and others might come out of the darkness and up to the campfire that is burning brightly in the night. God, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for your son. Thank you for your grace. Firstly, God, I just ask the Holy Spirit to come in. That one person that's sitting out there today that's heard some first time that just kind of struck a chord. God, just let him or her recognize it. That's the Holy Spirit talk, biting us in part of His. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we'll see you out there. If you, if you have a chance, come out to Quail Run.